0: We return now with our second installment in our uh, tax audit series. Hi, everybody. This is Jim Mitchell uh, here on Chicago's Legal Latte. And uh, I welcome back to our podcast uh, from LaBelle Law, the managing partner, Ted McGinn, and shareholder, Timothy Hughes. Uh, They were with us in our first installment where we talked about audits. Today, we're going to talk a little bit about tax debt. And I uh, kind of doing a quick intro here because there's a lot to cover and I want to get to it. But before we do that, Ted, maybe just a quick recap, high level of some of the things we talked about in terms of tax audits. What does that mean and what should people be aware of going into this conversation?
1: Yeah, Jim, thanks for having me again. Glad always to be here. So as far as what we covered last week, we did spend some time talking about audits. Essentially what an audit means, the IRS is questioning items uh, that's contained on your tax return. There's uh desk audits, audits which are kind of handled via the mail. Then of course there's these audits that take place in person. If you are being audited, we would always recommend that you have a professional that assists you uh, to, to make sure you have the required documentation to support any sort of positions you may have taken in the, on the tax return. And, uh, and then furthermore, we also discuss your rights uh, to appeal. If uh, a decision comes down adverse, there are some certain appeal rights, whether that means going to IRS appeals or possibly even filing a petition with the United States tax Tax court. There are some possibilities uh, and you don't have to accept whatever it is that the IRS comes down on, you know, in in the course of the audit.
0: And that conversation is available at labelllaw.com, also on the LaBelle Law YouTube channel. And an audio version available on Blog Talk Radio, so we can kind of catch up. But as we move ahead here today, let's talk about tax debt. Uh, we put ourselves in a position here now, or an individual or a company, it has been determined that they do owe the IRS, or perhaps the Illinois Department of Revenue. Um, Tim, what happens next? Uh, there's a tax bill. Um, how does the process play out from there?
2: Yeah, there's several tax bills before typically a uh, Human being at the IRS will start trying to really reach out to a taxpayer. And at that time, then if the uh, taxpayer is unresponsive, the IRS will take steps of possibly filing a lien, which puts the world on notice that the uh, individual or individuals, if it's a husband and wife, owe the IRS money, or they can start reaching for a paycheck or paychecks if uh, it's a joint account and bank accounts, in which case then the taxpayer wants to address that liability quickly.
0: Um, And we talk about that liability, and Tim, you and I have had many conversations and discussions on podcasts in the past. I know you've done a series of videos. Um, If it's an individual or a couple, chances are they're having some financial problems. That's why they're in arrears. Once a settlement or once a decree is put forth, what, what's most important now? Staying up to date on current taxes or paying off the debt if they can't do both at once?
2: Okay, just real technical. It's not a decree. When the IRS makes an assessment, then that's uh, receivable on the government's books. Once Fair. that is on their books, you want to contain that problem because um, going forward, you want compliance or minimize the damage. Uh, penalties will max out at twenty-five percent for failure to file, failure to pay. So if you can contain that to a period or a small number of periods, then
1: your overall
2: liability will be lower and it's easier to hopefully deal with
1: the IRS. Let me also jump in here, Jen. There also there's a constant theme when you start talking to the IRS to resolve a tax debt. Mm-hmm. And that is they want the taxpayer to moving forward to be a good taxpayer uh, or to put it a different way. The IRS is typically reluctant to, to whether it's an offering compromise, whether it's an installment agreement, uh, whatever the case may be. The IRS is reluctant to compromise or negotiate with the taxpayer if the taxpayer continues to incur new liabilities. So it's so often we're trying to encourage our client to at this point moving forward. you got to be a perfect taxpayer. Now,
0: you you mentioned some things that I want to talk about, some different tactics. We'll get into those. Um, We talked last time about um, trying to solve the issue, uh, perhaps dispute it, uh, show some facts in the contrary. But again, if there is a debt, is the IRS open to negotiation at that point?
1: Yeah, I mean, there are a number of strategies and procedures in place that a taxpayer can utilize in order to resolve their tax debt. Sometimes they may be eligible to get some savings. Other times they may get some time to pay it off over a period of time in the future. Uh, before we get into the different uh, possible uh, strategies, I think we should spend a little bit of time talking about a collection due process hearing. Okay. Um, you know, so once the IRS has assessed the tax, you got a tax liability there, uh, when they before they want to go into enforcement, which, whether it's a, a levy or a garnishment or even filing a lien, they send out a final notice and that gives the taxpayer a what they call a collection due process hearing. Uh, Tim, you want to talk about the collection due process hearing procedures?
2: Well, the collection due process uh, hearing allows the taxpayer to hopefully resolve it at the appeals level and not have their file go into collection where as I mentioned earlier, there could be a levy on a bank account or a paycheck or some other asset, or even as Ted mentioned, the notice of a federal tax lien being filed. Because for some individuals, S Corp individuals who uh, their name is the credit uh, worthiness for getting an asset or uh, keeping their business going, uh, notice of federal tax lien could be kind of the end of that business or very costly for getting future credit. So uh, getting the matter resolved at appeals is a nice way of resolving the matter before it kind of quote unquote goes public.
0: Any of these options seem like they're probably out of the reach of the average taxpayer. Is this where an attorney comes in, a CPA, who, who should be helping?
2: Well, most CPAs like to prepare the returns, but once it gets into collection controversy, they don't necessarily feel comfortable. So um, uh, we practice in front of the IRS Monday through Friday. So uh, knowing their policy and procedures or their internal revenue manual, uh, feel very good and comfortable in helping a taxpayer get the best resolution.
1: Also, I think that was a good opportunity to add, Jim, that there are a lot of um, shaky outfits out there that will try to take advantage of taxpayers, and they don't really understand the procedures. They don't do a good job of negotiating with the IRS, but they do take a lot of money from the taxpayer. Sometimes these are out-of-state companies that will do this, take a large upfront fee, and really do very little, if anything, to solve the taxpayer's problem. So it's buyer beware out there. I, I think anybody in this in this situation, I'd recommend them contact a local attorney rather than some out-of-state outfit to do that.
0: And, and we have mentioned that in the past, and, and clearly those ads are out there. They, they use a lot of scare tactics. Um, they present themselves as being very capable. But I believe you said last time that, you know, only attorneys can handle certain things in the first place and you need to have an attorney representing you
1: well not exactly they have enrolled agents which mm-hmm. they're a step down from attorneys they it doesn't it's not too terribly difficult to become an enrolled agent you, you fill out an application with the Internal Revenue Service um, they are able to you know work with the IRS now that, that doesn't mean that they are uh, capable necessarily right but you do not have to be an attorney to represent a taxpayer
0: before the IRS. Uh, Ted McGinn and Tim Hughes are with us uh, from Lavelle Law as we talk about tax debts today in the second part of our three-part series on uh, taxes. And um, we'll uh, have some upcoming conversations with them as well. But today we focus on the debt aspect. And if one of you could help address this because, Ted, I think I heard you say something about a payment plan. So if, in fact, there's an amount due, is that, something that the IRS is is willing to work with you on?
1: Yeah, the IRS definitely is willing to work on a payment plan. Now, how much you pay per month, that generally is a function of the taxpayer's available cash flow. So there is kind of a detailed extensive process that is used to determine how much that monthly amount should be. But bottom line is an installment agreement is a great way to satisfy your tax liability You don't have to worry about your bank account being levied or your wages garnishment as long as the taxpayer continues to make the agreed upon installment agreement payments. I should mention, with an installment agreement, interest continues to accrue on that tax liability. So uh, you're probably going to talk about offering compromise next. Mm -hmm. The the installment agreement, the taxpayer does not get a savings over interest and or penalties. The full liability is going to be paid. It's just that the taxpayer has additional time to do it.
0: Uh, Does the IRS generally have a period that they won't go beyond in terms of payment plans? Is it by this date we have to have it resolved?
2: Well, uh, they can't go beyond the collection statute period, which is for 10 years uh, for the IRS, 20 for the Illinois Department of Revenue, uh, to enter into a simple installment agreement where you're not giving financial information information. They typically want 72 months. Uh, If it's going to go beyond 72 months or the liability is over 50,000, then there's going to be certain financial disclosures that have to be made.
0: Um, And then let's talk, as you mentioned, Ted, about offers and compromise. Um, This is, I know, a tactic that has been available for some time and um, probably not as highly recognized by individual taxpayers as it could be. What can you tell us about that?
1: Yeah, offer and compromise is a is a good opportunity for a taxpayer to get reduction of what they owe the IRS. Um, however, it's not something that is given automatically. It's a function of the net worth of the taxpayer. So, if you're a taxpayer, you owe the IRS, you know, fifty thousand dollars, but if you have, you know, five hundred thousand dollars of equity in your home, well, the IRS they're not going to really entertain an offer and compromise there because in that situation, the taxpayer has the ability to satisfy that tax liability. On the other hand, if the taxpayer does not have assets or has assets less than the debt owed to the IRS, that's the type of taxpayer that would be a good candidate for an offer and compromise.
0: And what about, we mentioned uh, payment plans. Can can, uh, the IRS garnish wages? Can they simply begin to take this money on a monthly basis?
2: If there's not an agreement in place, yes, short answer is yes, they will. And unlike a judgment creditor in a lawsuit, which is limited to taking 15% of the after-tax amount of a taxpayer or a, a judgment debtor, uh, the IRS will basically leave you with about 15%. So a uh, IRS levy is not a long-term solution for a uh, taxpayer because it's just too draconian of a uh, penalty on the taxpayer. It's meant to wake up the taxpayer to the liability and force them to come to the table.
1: Well, and if you're a business taxpayer, a garnishment or actually a levy, I should mention, is Mm -hmm. just a severe sanction to a business because in that situation, they levy the bank account of the business. Uh, Chances are the business is, is expecting to use the cash in that bank account to pay off creditors, vendors, payroll, whatever the case may be, and the IRS comes in with a levy, they're you know the bank is going to immediately lock down whatever funds are in that account, and it really puts a stranglehold on the ability of the taxpayer to operate their business. So that levy is kind of a severe sanction. Now, you have 21 days after the levy hits to try to work out a deal to get the IRS to release that levy. But well, that's you know that's a, that's a very big challenge to get mm-hmm. the IRS to cooperate. And 21 days is not a lot of time.
0: Well, it's, it sounds, too, from what you have both shared today, um, that if you get into this uh, situation of having debt, the IRS is pretty active in, in digging into the finances individually or the business when we're talking about equity in a home or your cash flow in the business. Um, they're going to want to see a lot of financial records. So it, it sounds like this is not a simple process and they're going to be very active in, in finding who you can pay.
1: Yeah, I would I would agree with that. I mean, as I mentioned before, to be eligible for an offer and compromise, they want to be the taxpayer needs to be prepared to demonstrate that their net worth is less than the tax liability. And that means substantiating their net worth or how much money, what their wage is, what their equity in their home is, what their business is worth. A lot of documentation and record involved with that. And with an installment agreement, as Tim mentioned, if it's going to go beyond, you know, a five year, six year installment agreement, the IRS is going to want to see what is this taxpayer monthly income? What what can this taxpayer afford to pay on a monthly basis? And there you get into the substantiation again.
0: Uh, Is there something known as abatement that
1: factors in here? Tim, go ahead and handle that.
0: Sure. Uh, Abatement
2: is abatement of penalty. It's not an abatement of tax or interest, but penalty. And uh, penalties can be 25% of the unpaid tax at the time of filing. So it can be a substantial amount. Uh, Typically, you need reasonable cause saying why you were uh, stopped from filing or paying on time. But there's certain exceptions or uh, other abatements, first-time penalty abatement, if you have a clean record for three years prior to and haven't done a first-time penalty abatement. Also, kind of getting a little into the weeds here, but for business uh, uh, taxpayers, if there's a trust fund penalty assessed against individuals of the corporation, that's a penalty, and that could be abated if you can show you were not responsible for the accounting, collecting, and remittance of the payroll taxes.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm going to ask a novice question here. And as we get near the end of the podcast today, you can certainly defer this one and say, nope, you know, that's that's a whole other topic. But in the process, I, I assume there are some people who, just for financial reasons, fall behind on taxes. Uh, there are probably others who manipulate. And, and um, whether that might be considered fraud or criminal behavior when there's tax debt. Does the IRS get into that? I mean, is is there a possibility of some form of criminal charges coming out of this?
1: Yeah, I think, I think it's always a possibility depending on what type of liability we're, we're talking about here. I have had dealt with interesting cases before Tim mentioned the trust fund penalty. And just so our listeners understand what that means, that's employment taxes. And if you operate your own company, and and you're not paying employment taxes, but then that same person, they file their individual tax return the 1040, mm-hmm. and they take as a deduction the withheld taxes uh, from their paycheck, but they know those taxes weren't remitted to the IRS. So that's an interesting sort of you know quandary um, uh, that a tax break can find themselves into, and and see, you know, seeing some potential criminal activity there. But yeah.
0: All right, So I think what I'll do here is set us up for our next conversation um, by simply asking, uh, after all of these uh, options have been exhausted and reviewed, what if someone simply cannot pay the debt? What happens?
2: Well, you've heard it before. It depends. <laughs> uh, it depends how much time is left on the uh, collection statute. It depends. Is that inability to pay temporary? or long-term. It depends upon the nature of the taxes and the amount of the liability. So uh, there's not one answer fits all.
1: I think Tim what he wants us to say is bankruptcy. (laughs) Well, I can't
2: say that. It depends. It depends. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. I think
0: uh, we will uh, use that as our uh, jumping off point for our next conversation. We'll talk about bankruptcy. We'll talk about some options there for individuals and businesses. So uh, Ted McGinn, Tim Hughes, thank you very much for being with us on this installment. And we'll look forward to having a conversation soon as we continue our series on Tech step. Thanks very much, guys. Okay,
2: thanks.